welcome everybody to Glorious Rugby Podcast. I'm your host, John Fitzpatrick, and joining me as always is my co-host, Alistair Kirschpool, AKP. How we doing today, baby? I'm doing well. Old Glory is winning, and that's always a good thing. Sure, it doesn't matter in preseason, but it always feels good. You know what? I pick up a little bit of a pep in your voice there. I think you're excited. The regular season starts on Friday. Old Glory DC plays on Saturday. Old Glory had a good final preseason tune-up. I think we're feeling optimistic. It's 60 degrees in Washington, D.C. Woo! Let's go! (laughs) Yeah, always nice when you're going to go sit outside watching a team, so can't argue with the nice weather. Can't argue at all. Can't argue at all. So let's talk a little bit about Friday night. You were at the match again. That's so awesome. Tell us about it. Did I don't know. I, I got a sense, and I watched the recording. I'm not going to say he recorded it, but I watched the recording of the match. It seemed like there was a... Was there a different energy in there, would you say? Did, thing, did, did the crowd seem a little more optimistic, a little upbeat? Is it because is it we're getting closer to the season? What was your take or your sense on how the energy in the crowd felt there at St. James on Friday night? Yeah. So last week, towards the end of the, the match, the crowd got more into it. I felt like... They maybe needed the warm-up as well. They needed the the warm-up into the season. It's been a while since anyone's cheered for rugby. So six months shaking off the rust as a, a crowd. But they got more into it this time from the beginning. More chance and more more energy. Yeah, it was great. When we talked about it last week and in, in the prior weeks where results don't matter really all that much in preseason certainly it's helpful to win but we want to see good phases we want to see good stretches we're looking for certain players but I gotta say and there were some things that happened in the game that may have been a little bit different in the regular season a yellow card things like that but there were certain parts of the game certain elements of the game where Old Glory looked pretty strong and I'm excited to talk about that so let's jump right into it Old Glory DC they did beat the Toronto Arrows, uh, Toronto Arrows, excuse me. And again, just preseason, results don't matter all that much. But let's talk a little bit about our first action takeaways. What were some of the surprises for you or highlights from the first action? First half, excuse me. Yeah, so Danny, Danny got a yellow card for a, I think there was a no arms tackle. I can't quite remember what it was, but he got sent off. Probably not as surprising. It means means we've got the the spicy Danny Tusatala of the past is is coming back. I think it probably helps that he's not the captain anymore and he can he can be a bit more of his old self. Have fun with it. Be a little more reckless and silly and I, I like it. Yeah, I want to talk about that Danny tackle for a moment because I went back and, and took a look at it. It was a low tackle. He kind of went at his knees a little bit. Didn't look like there was a wrap. Um, I think what what happened, there was a little dust-up afterwards where Danny may have been involved in a little bit of a scuffle. Now, I think there was probably some leniency, right, in preseason. He did get a yellow there. He wasn't off because of, you know, arrangement beforehand. But that thing could have been differently in the in the regular season in the sense that that could have been a yellow, right, so he goes off for 10 minutes. But if a punch was thrown or if anything was landed and connected, that's a sighting that's probably going to happen afterwards with the potential to miss a game or two. So that's what made me a little nervous. And we can talk a little bit later in the episode about 
things we can be concerned about this season and, and is discipline or lack of discipline something to worry about. But I think because it was a preseason, maybe a little more leniency. So something I'm just keeping my eye on uh, for the regular season. I don't know if you feel differently. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point, and hopefully that is Danny getting it out right now and getting it all out before the season yeah. starts. You never know. I'll take a passionate team over over a a defeated 100%. team. One hundred percent. Any yeah. day of the week, I would rather have discipline issues yeah. coming from players being too into it than. Yeah. discipline issues because players are too you out of it you can't say that danny doesn't care right it's a preseason game you could you could give guys a pass for like quote unquote going through you know the motions but it was a preseason game and danny cared enough to want to get up and chirp at someone right so i love that too in the scrum half and i love that about danny yeah. that it just goes to show that he cares so yeah we can move forward yeah my one of my other takeaways from the the first half it was very forward heavy there were a lot of knock-ons, a lot of scrums, which was a good thing because our scrum was awesome, especially that first half. We just destroyed them scrum after scrum, even against the head. They they got it out most times, but we we pretty regularly stole it even against the head. And it's partly impressive because we had Colin Gross at Locke, and he played Locke in college, and then we drafted him. But he he was widely expected to go to flanker this year because playing lock in college, he was tall enough for that, but he might not be tall enough for an MLR level lock. He's only something like 6'4", which is, is tall for you and me, but <laughs> not tall for an MLR <laughs> lock. They usually 6'6", 6'5", 6'6", 6'7". So, but he... He was perfectly good in the in the scrums. Excited about how Colin is developing, right? I think that's that's gonna help with the depth. Um, and he did have a nice little breakaway, and if he didn't get tripped up there, he could have maybe taken it to the house. And I think that was in in the uh, maybe in the second half. But another forward that really stood out to me, and we talked about him last week, but Corey Daniel. Uh, he looks big. He looks quick. That run, I think, was beating me about nine minutes into the game. Uh, exciting. One, he just leveled the guy that tried to tackle him, and that was a forward, and he just put him on his butt and then had enough pace to get down the field. Would have liked maybe the support lines to come up a little bit quicker, but you got to be excited about the further development that I think we're going to see from, from Corey this season um, and, and really excited to see what he's going to do in the regular season. He was another player that stood out for me, at least in the first half. Oh yeah, for sure. He, for someone who's picked up rugby only, only recently, he's so good. There's certain things he just does really, really well that he's always done really well. Like his tackling is it's amazing and always has been. There's a reason that he tackled more, put in more tackles last year than anyone else. But it's great to see him developing the other bits of the game as well. Good running, getting, breaking the tackles, getting himself, getting himself free. And I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to see where he goes with this because he can be as good as he is already. He can be so much more. Love to hear. Love, love hearing that. Like, that's awesome. So another, another call out from the game that I think we both recognized um, was was 
was a standout. Their goal line defense. Oh, yeah. They just stiffen right up as soon as you get close to the goal line. It was a little concerning in the New York match how easily they let New York get down the field. But then last week and then this week again, as soon as teams get 5, 10 meters from the try line, they they have a really hard time getting the ball over. Yeah, you, you got to love a stout defense. You, you got to love the, the all-out effort of like, hey, you know what? You're, you're not going to get in here. We're going to do everything we can to stop this. As there were some positives from the forward pack in the first half, there were still a couple of issues that, that came up, particularly in the line-out. What, what was going on there? Yeah, the, the line-out was not good. We kept overthrowing it or, I guess, being just a bit too predictable, and they would jump up and steal it. We lost a lot of line-outs that way, and that was... That was less of a problem that I noticed last week, but it was definitely still there. So a bit of a running trend, which is not what you want to see. Yeah, and I got to imagine those things are going to get, you know, worked on between now and, of course, Saturday. And and hopefully that's not a a problem that's going to plague us for the rest of the season. But there's certainly tweaks and, and stuff Old Glory can DC can do to try and and fix that. So first half pretty positive. Second half, things kind of took a little bit of a turn. Things kind of opened up a little bit. Um, tell me a little bit about some of the highlights that you saw from the second half as that scoreboard started to tick up a little bit in favor of Old Glory. Yeah, we we really did start to run away with it there in the second half. We got a lot of good stuff out of the forwards. They just, every time they ran the ball, they seemed like they were making ground We we made the game line far more often than not. The um, Sheehy looked great. Owen Sheehy ran some great lines. He had to try at one point just just cutting through on the the wing. I thought the the malls were good. The when we when we did actually get our lineup to line out to work, we really drove very well who drive 10 15 meters each time and got a couple of, uh, one or two tries that that way on friday just pushing over the line and and scoring the scrum got a little shaky towards the the end of the match when we we really started just subbing in everyone which i guess isn't a surprise if you there's one point where our entire or Two out of the three front rowers were straight out of college, so it's it's expected that they're not going to be able to to scrum quite at the same level as as the other more experienced players. But that's okay. That's fine. I'm not concerned about that long term. Uh, Graydon Boyd looked great off the tee. He managed to nail every conversion kick, and there were quite a few in the. There were four conversion kicks in the second half, and he hit every one regardless of where it was. So that af- after last year's atrocious goal kicking, it's just so nice to see, to see them go through the uprights. I want, I want to talk, we'll talk a little bit about Graydon in a little bit when we talk about the starting 15 for uh, week one against Chicago. So I'm going to hold comment on him for just a few moments. Um, but yeah, overall, second half, it was great to see Old Glory start to put some points 
on the board and again positive momentum going into to week one against Chicago on 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 Saturday kind of wanted to close out final thoughts here on the second preseason game as we look to the regular season what are some of the maybe biggest question marks now that we've seen Oak Glory hit out for for two games in the preseason what are some question marks that you have um, upon further review of Oak Glory yeah I think one of my big questions is just how good the scrum actually is. It looks good. We were dominant for most of this Toronto match, and we had an advantage in the New York match as well. This is... It's not just like it it came out of nowhere, this match, and we were suddenly good. So I don't think it's just that Toronto was somehow bad at scrumming this week. But it is one of those where you don't know what other what lineup is being put out there. It could be that they were just putting their subs out there to get them time. And, and that's why it was, it was such an advantage, but I, I do, I really hope we, if we have a good advantage in the scrum, that's going to save us so many headaches in the season. So it's, and I don't think the scrum is going to be bad. I think we can tell that for sure based on the preseason is the scrum is not going to be bad, but I don't know if it's going to be quite as dominant as we saw in the preseason. So that's a question mark still. Is it going to be an active advantage or is it just not going to be a a problem? Yeah, I agree. I think that's a, it's a good question mark. I am optimistic that the scrum is, is going to be solid this year. Again, there's a number of, of individual, individual performers who we've talked about in the preseason. I think, are really going to shore up that that forward pack and that scrum. So I'm optimistic there. Um, concerns. And we talked a little bit about the line out in this Toronto game. Moving forward, what other concerns? We can you can talk a little bit more about the line out here. But what are some other potential concerns you have going into round one? Yeah. So about the line out, I asked Stan South after the game what the whether he expected that was just a, a lineup issue or whether he thought that there were actual problems there need, that needed to be addressed. And he seemed pretty convinced that it was just a lineup issue. It's just because they've got, they were pulling guys in and out and the, the lineup is not what you expect the st- starting lineup to be either in either half. So, so for his, okay. So he thinks that as soon as you get the starting lineup, the actual starting lineup out there, and they get some time together, those problems will go away because they'll get the calls down, they'll get the communication right, and those things will sort of fade into the background. And hopefully he's right about that. I'm I'm not fully convinced, or at least it's, it's a, a lingering red flag in my mind that our lineouts might be bad. Just like our scrums might be awesome, our lineouts might actually be bad. And that that could stifle us a lot, especially when we're near the near the try line and we have an opportunity to score. And if we can't if you can't nail the line out five meters out, then you're not gonna get the the awesome ball and you're not gonna get the score. So it's it's an area of concern for me. One hundred percent. And this is something we're gonna hopefully it's not an issue that we continue to talk about each week, but there's gotta be nothing more deflating in rugby than you know, you kick to the line out for the you know, for the five meter line out 
and the ball gets tossed in and you lose it and you're knocking right there and you can't punch it in that's going to be one of the most deflating and frustrating things on the rugby field and to watch so certainly something we're going to a theme that we're going to have to make sure we keep track of and hopefully it's not a theme that carries forward um so we'll, we'll we'll keep an eye on on the line out as we step back we move to the back and the back line a little bit here concerns weaknesses we know there's some dynamic players back there. You know, we, we know we've got some guys that can score. We had two or three top try scores last year in the top ten, guys with meters carried, right? But do you have some concerns about what you've seen in the back play over the two preseason games? Yeah. Like you say, great players back there. I think we have some of the best players in the league in our backs. So, But there is, I, f- I can't help but feel like they're a little predictable still. I don't really see a a complicated, or not even complicated, just they can use a bit more tactically in their, their game plan for the backs. There doesn't, there's not a lot of deception. There's not a lot of trying to trick the defense and put people into space. It tends to be just run it and whoever has a good gap, go for it. And that... I think that will work reasonably well. We might get away with that just because our forwards are so good. But it does leave me wishing that we were doing a bit more tactically back there. And I think that's something where you can tell that Josh Sims is not a backs coach. He's not an attacks coach. He's a defense coach, a forwards coach. And that's why our defense is so much better this year. That's why the tackling has gotten so much better. That's why the forwards are operating so beautifully this year. But it it means that the backs, they haven't quite found a, a strategy that, that works yet. And that's something of a concern for me. If, if our forwards get shut down, if, if they get matched in the set piece and they get disrupted in the lineouts and they can't make those scores... I don't know if our backs are going to be able to do it. I don't know if they're going to be able to carry the team. And that maybe I'm worrying about nothing because the players individually are great, mm-hmm. but I don't yet see them as a, a great cohesive unit. Now that begs another question. Do you think, and you maybe you, you hinted at this a little bit. Is it, is it a tactics or does it start at any one individual position? Like does that, does the, the tone start in your mind with, how dynamic of a playmaker the fly half position may be, or is that putting too much weight on one player's shoulders to really set the attack? I think I don't think it's it's I think it's about tactics. I don't think it's about any individual player. I think individual players could could make yeah. or break a system. And like I say, I think the individual playmakers on all glories backs, they're they're going to be good enough to make some plays anyway. But I look at it and I it just sticks in my mind the this moment from the New York game where Graydon Boyd caught the ball and was instantly flattened. And he, the reason he was flattened is because mm-hmm. everyone knew that the ball was going to him at that moment and New York could read it and they could just hit it. And it felt like there were too many moments like that where it was obvious what we were going to do with the ball next. And you look at the good backs, back lines of the Premiership and in international rugby, 
even watching it as a viewer and having a bird's eye view and being able to see all the pieces, I don't always know where the ball is going next. It, it might go flat, might go to someone behind, might go... There are options. There's different ways that the, balls, the ball can go, and it keeps the defense honest. They can't sell out mm-hmm. against the one thing they know is going to happen because they don't know what's going to happen. So they have to hedge their bets, and that means you get just a little bit more breathing room to find the gap and to make... Even if you don't find a gap, even if you just gain an extra 5, 10 meters, that still gets you further down the field. And so I would love to see Old Glory incorporate that more into their into their strategy and do more with their backs, more creative things. And it doesn't have to get super complex. I think you can overthink yourself in the backs with that sort of stuff. You can try and do more than you're capable of and you can spend too much time worrying about who's going where and which lines you're running and not enough just just running and and just trying to make progress and mm-hmm. make a play but i think old glory's gone a little too far to one end and, and could, i would like to see them use a bit more interesting tactics in the back line 100 percent, right <laughs> the back line's always going to look good if if the forwards are always getting to the rucks, the breakdowns are super clean, the ball's coming out, and the backs are getting it going forward in their space, and they're able to use their athleticism to make plays, right? Like, the back lines are going to look good. I could trot out there at fly half maybe and look good. Doubtful. But I did try out for the team three years ago, and I did not make it. <laughs> so there is that. But that's a side. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with your point that um, – some dynamic play out there, some tactics. I think we'll probably see it. We Maybe some of that was held back in the preseason. We talked a little bit about that. Maybe not showing all the cards quite yet. Um, so optimistic that we will see that That's in, true. In, in round one. Um, so, okay, we talked about the back line. We talked about the line out. What else? Was there one other thing before we move on? Was there anything else that, that is of concern that you saw in the preseason? Yeah, so it's a minor concern is... We have had a lot of blocked kicks. We had a couple of blocked kicks in mm. in the New York game, and then we had another one in this game. Just players getting the the defense getting to the player kicking the ball and, and managing to block it. And this time it didn't lead to a score, but I don't know what's up with that. I don't know if it's something to be concerned about, but I've got my eye on it. I've it's it's in the back of my mind. Mm something to think about all right akp so that closes the book on the pre-season again got to feel pretty optimistic about how things went one and one if you want to tally up wins and losses but now we are playing for real it's round one of the 2023 major league rugby regular season old glory dc hosts the chicago hounds on saturday february 18th 2 p.m eastern standard time at segra field AKP, I think you're going to be at the game, are you not? Oh, yeah. I'll always be there. Season tickets, baby. I love it. I'll always be there. Season tickets. Um, I wanted to touch briefly, again, because it is mid-February. Weather's certainly going to play a factor. I just want to touch on it briefly. Looking right now, about five days out from the game, right now, it's looking like it's going to be a sunny day. Highs in the mid to upper 40s, so it should actually be pretty good conditions. Maybe a little bit breezy, but it should be pretty good conditions 
for rugby in week one. We know weather can play a factor. Hopefully it's not too windy that will mess with the kicking a little bit. But (laughs) enough about the weather. I want to talk about the opponent, the Chicago Hounds. Who the heck are the Chicago Hounds? In the sense of, like, yes, we know they're a new team. Yes, we know they're an expansion team. Yes, they were able to pick from, you know, some of the best players from the L.A. Giltinis and the Austin Gilgronis. But who are the Chicago Hounds? And this is not a rhetorical question. Who are the Chicago Hounds? (laughs) Yeah, it's a good question. It's not a question that I have a great answer for. I don't think anyone really knows who the Chicago Hounds are, including the Chicago Hounds. There's... They, they did get to sign a bunch of players from Austin and L.A., and they picked up some great names. There's a lot of those names who I don't know if they're going to be appearing for Chicago, or at least not right now. It sounds like Billy Meeks is still in L.A. practicing on his own, so will he be on the, f- the field come Saturday? Who knows? And there's a lot of players like that. I heard Luke Cardi may or may not actually be with the team yet. It's... It's all a bit of a mystery. It is a little bit of a mystery. Now, we saw a little bit of the Chicago Hounds this past Friday when they went down to Panama City Beach, Florida, and they had that little, you know, three-way, if you want to call it, with uh, rugby ATL. So we did get to see some of the Chicago Hound players go out there and run around. We know that they have signed some some big names. Marco Keefe, certainly, with Gil Gronies, had a a great season at the center position. You talked about... um, Billy Meeks, who, you know, dynamic back last year. If you follow him on Instagram, you brought it up. You see he's still out there training in L.A. Not sure when he'll be playing with the Hounds. So you got to think a lot of question marks about who this squad. What we do know, though, is that they're coached by Sam Harris, right? And and everyone that I've talked to and everything that we've seen, Sam Harris is a good coach. He, he led a Gil Groney's team last year that had one of the best defenses that scored a ton of points. So maybe there's some comparisons we can draw out of what the Chicago Hounds could play based upon how the Gil Groney's played last season. Again, you can't, it's not an apples to apples comparison, but um, I don't know if we, what we can expect from Chicago other than they're going to trot out 15 they're going to have 23 on the match day roster they're going to open up on the road all of this and we'll get to our predictions in a second all of this leads me to believe that you got to think old glory dc is going to have the edge here playing at home more continuity and cohesiveness and just playing a couple of preseason games and the fact that we don't really even know who the chicago hounds are right yeah i would give old glory the edge right now being at home, wanting to prove something after last season, but predictions are tough when you you have so little idea who you're who you're even going to be playing against. Well, enough about the Chicago Hounds. I want to talk about Old Glory DC here. Let's talk a little bit about what we think will be the starting fifteen for Old Glory DC. A um, couple of question questions as we go into this but if you want to launch into take us starting one through 15 who do you think the starting 15 will be for old glory dc against chicago in week one yeah this was a tough one because one of the things we saw in preseason was just how evenly balanced this squad is there's so much depth and the depth players are really pretty good there's a lot of depth players who i 
I think could start over the people you might have initially expected to start. And that was another thing Stan South mentioned is all the jobs are up for competition. We, I remember we talked last week about potentially seeing the starting lineup get together at some point during the preseason game against Toronto. And then that, that didn't happen. And Stan was saying it was because all those jobs are up for competition. You don't know who the starting up lineup is yet. That's what preseason is about is figuring, figuring that out, figuring out who's good, who's good together and, and going from there. So if I had to put together a pre, a starting lineup right now, I would go Jack Scarrow, Facundo Gaddis, and Ramiro Herrera, who should be in town for the first game, but not guaranteed yet. That would be the ideal front row. Yeah. If if Herrera can't, if Herrera's not in town... Who then slots in for him? Is it is it the the quote unquote rookie Cali Martinez, who they drafted um, third overall in the most recent draft? I would go Kyle Stewart over Cali Martinez. I have Cali Martinez on the bench. I think yeah. he would be my ideal backup there. But I feel like starting with a a known quantity in Kyle Stewart is probably a better idea. Moving to the locks, I think you got to start staying south, vice captain. I would put Tavita Nungali on there as well, and then David Beach on the bench, probably. Uh, you don't have that many choices at, at lock, although more than I was expecting, given Gross and um, Fenton Coleman both played at lock reasonably successfully successfully in the preseason. Flankers, I'd go Lautaro Bavaro, Corey Daniel, obviously put Jamison Fun on a Schultz at the the eight. Danny Tusitala, scrum half, obviously. What else are you going to do there? And then probably Tito for the 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 fly half, but mm. that's less of a sure thing than than I thought it was going to be. Can we? Can yeah? Can we pause there for a second? Because while I agree with you up that I think. Tito's probably going to get the start. <clears throat> Graydon showed a little something right in the preseason. I think if things maybe were a little more steady. I think he's an excellent goal kicker. I do think Tito probably brings a little more dynamic play. And you know some of the issues that you brought up maybe you know what what does the tactics look like in terms of a more dynamic backline play? And and again we think that's more strategy and game plan. But it does help if you've got a player that. You know, can bring a little something extra to the table. So, it seems like it's it could seems like which makes me a little nervous, right? That we're a little like back and forth on who we think the the ten is going to be on Saturday. But, but I, maybe maybe either option isn't too bad, really. Yeah, I'm actually the the opposite. I think it's great. We've got two good options. We've got real competition for that yeah. spot. I ha, from what I've seen in preseason, I'd be happy with either of them playing, either of them starting. I'd feel comfortable with both of them on the team. I don't think we're going to know who, which one's the better fly half or which one fits better with this team until they get out there and they play. That's one of the things I'm really looking forward to is, is figuring that out. And it's nice to have a team where you can get so excited about the competition between players. 
having those options, because a lot of it could be based on matchups. Maybe Tito is a better option, you know, in, in, in week one. And then maybe the following week or a couple of weeks later, Graydon, for whatever reason, is the better option. Weather conditions or how the other team, they match up with the other team. So just, I think we all know having options in life and in rugby is probably, is going to benefit Old Glory as they, as they figure out they're starting 15 from here through the rest of the regular season. But let's move into the back line. Who, who do you've got going through the, through the wings and centers, fullback? Yeah, so centers, I would put Talatena and probably Doug Frazier. Although, those are two of the picks that I'm least certain about. You could, I thought, uh, Marcos Young and Fairman Martinez both looked great. So you can put mm-hmm. them in the centers too. Threaten Palamo, you can. You're never going to feel bad starting Threaten Palamo. So, I, really, whoever you want in the centers, I don't care. They're going to be good. And then on the wings, I'd probably put Lasanga, Penny Lasanga, on one wing and Mike Tabulis on the other. That I think they're Tabulis. I'm a little unsure about. He's definitely more of a fullback, but. Right now, I have Kurt Baker at, at fullback. And I think long-term, Baker probably isn't going to play every game this ma- this year. I think they'll roll him out for mm-hmm. some home games to get him in front of fans who might be excited to meet him, to watch him play in person. He's got the name power, so you put him out there. But then when he shifts into more of a coaching role i think you you move to bullis back to fullback but for now you need a domestic option to to put at wing because of the limited mm-hmm. foreign slots and i i think you put to on one of the wings one i'm just excited that we're going to see mike and i agree with you i think we got you have to find a place for mike somewhere on the field right now my question is hey where's junior sal right he's he was tied for fourth with most tries scored last season um is he coming off the bench is there an injury concern what do you think there yeah for my lineup that was partly just thinking about the foreign player slots he's not a domestic player and that that limits your options i mean you could switch out lasanga for for sao and i think against some teams that might be the right thing to do lasanga is a a smaller player and there's there's times defensively where sao is just going to hold up a bit better than Lasanga, but that's the sort of hard choices that the team is going to be needing to make over the course of the season is there's 14 foreign players I think and they're only 10 spots so there's going to be people sitting it out the you know in my lineup I don't have I was thinking about who the, the backups would be I wouldn't be putting Api Nakatini in it in the lineup anywhere, which is, is crazy because he's a great player, but you only have so many foreign slots. And when you've already got, you can't use, you know, a third of your foreign slots on the, the locks. You've got to use those slots elsewhere. And so Sal will probably get some time at, at points, but it'll also depend a lot on whether there's space for him. And I think it at wing, we have good options we have good other options. I don't think we're we need to play him. He's not a. We're not going to lose the game just because we didn't put him on the field. And so, 
so the foreign slots are going to get used in the front row where we don't have a choice at hooker we have to play at least one foreign player there we're you're not going to not put herrera on the field if you when he gets here so the wings and the backs in general might be might be where those cuts happen and maybe that's maybe talatana doesn't play a lot he was also in the top 10 i think for tries scored last year but if you if your foreign spots are limited and you've got Fermin Martinez looked good, Marcus Young looked good, you've got Threat Palamo, maybe maybe Talatena gets is unnecessary and you you cut him out and you stick Sal on one of the one of the wings. It's that sort of math is is part of what makes this whole thing so tough. It's I'm just glad it's not my job, to be honest. I don't have to I don't have to actually decide what lineup we go with. <clears throat> yeah, you have the easy job. You just get to sit in front of a microphone behind a computer and, and second guess yeah. and nitpick. Oh, yeah, punditry is great. <laughs> just got to sit here and criticize. <laughs> All right, well, you know what? But now, actually, we're going to put our thoughts on the line here, and we're going to make some predictions and picks for this game. I'll be the gentleman and let you go first. Um, what do you think the score and who's going to win this game? I'm going to say OG OGDC wins. I'm going to say I think it'll be fairly low scoring, partly because of that that uh, Sam Harris defense will come through. I'm going to say twenty. I'm going to say 24 to 24 to 14, I think. And I think Old Glory gets up to a, a pretty quick lead through some penalties and through just having more cohesion. But then Chicago sort of figures themselves out and makes a comeback, but just doesn't have time to complete it. And I think Old Glory's goal line defense holds them out long enough and we we pull through. I like it. I like it. I um I agree with you. I think um I think Chicago's probably going to have a, a pretty strong defense just based upon what we've seen from Sam Harris teams in the past. I think their question marks are going to be scoring, right? Like who who's playing at fly half? Billy Meeks. We don't know where he is. We know that they have Mark O'Keefe out there, and they've got a couple other great pieces. I'm not sure. I think they may struggle to score points, uh, and I think a lot of that's going to come from old Glory DC's renewed effort on defense and and game plan that I do think. This is not going to be an old glory DC team last year that teams were able to just run up points on. I don't think we're going to see that this year. Um, so I think old glory probably holds them. You know, I'm going to go, and I think I think we'll see some new stuff from the uh, attack. This was a team that was able to score points last year. I think they brought back some interesting pieces. Some new ones have slotted in. That I think old glory. I'm going to say old glory. Hear me out on this one. Old glory 35 Chicago. 20 how about that yeah i can see that i guess we'll we'll see who is closer we'll see who's closer this week that's right and, and, and here's my thought on that simply because if you're old glory dc you got to win round one right you're at home oh, yeah. against a quote-unquote expansion team but you really got to set the tone because if you look at round two old glory has a buy in round two yeah. super early 
but then they travel on the road in round three, and we'll talk about this in future episodes, they travel on the road to take on the New York iron workers, right? And then in round four, they've got the New England free jacks, right? So you got to set the tone week one. Round oh, one, yeah. you got to come with a win. So that's what I'm sticking with. I think we're both going old glory DC with the win. So let's move around to the rest of the table. Some exciting matchups elsewhere in round one. Everything kicks off. On Friday, February 17th, there's two matches. Rugby Atlanta hosts the Toronto Arrows. I'll pick this game first, AKP, to take the pressure off you. I like Rugby ATL in this one. They're at home. They're a strong defensive team. Their rebrand maybe didn't go so well, but I do like the Tri-City name that they have going on down there. Toronto maybe struggled a little bit in preseason. Um, I like rugby ATL in this one by five or six, maybe eight points. I'm going to go rugby ATL wins by eight. Your thoughts? Yeah, I'm in a similar boat there. I think Atlanta might be... I've got some questions about Atlanta. They might be a bit of a mess. It seems like culture is changing there, and I don't really know what that's going to look like. But... Mm. Yeah, I've seen Toronto now, and I don't know that they're going to be able to prevent people scoring and so i i will also go atlanta by i'll go atlanta by five nice nice now this next match on friday night i'm super um excited for but i've got some question marks so you've got nola gold at home hosting the new england free jacks nola gold has made quite a few changes in the offseason i think this is a team that is primed and poised to make a run after having a down year last year, but the past two years, you know, I think they won 10 games. This is a team that's always knocking on the door of the playoffs. I think they, they have a good team this year. My concern with the New England Free Jacks is, guess, we, we know how well they played last year. They went 13-3. and three. They won something like 10 straight games. That preseason hit out um, in Houston. Again, it's a preseason game. Houston looked pretty good. New England, rough start. Maybe some unsettled plays, some question marks about, you know, how are they going to replace Waka. <laughs> I'll pick this one first. Um, I think this, I I want to say the New England Free Jacks based upon their, their pedigree from the, the last season. I like Scott Matthew, the coach. I like what they're building there in New England. This one's on the road in New Orleans. I think Nola Gold is building something down there. They'll rebound this year. I like Nola Gold in like a squeaker. Maybe they win by three. Yeah. I, I'm i actually going to go more aggressively into Nola Gold. I think New England will struggle without mm. Waka. I think it will take them a while to figure out who they are this year. So I expect, I expect New England to get decent as the season goes on. I expect it to be a slow start for them. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say Nola by 14. Ooh, ooh, I like that. A buddy Phil at the Jacks Ranger show is not going to appreciate that scoreline, but sorry, Phil. That's the way it goes. All right, so moving into Saturday, February 18th, we, we touched on Old Glory DC. They play Chicago at 2 p.m. Later that day, we've got the games at night. San Diego Legion at home against the Utah Warriors. San Diego, first game at Snapdragon Stadium, which... Um, it's the college football stadium, for, I believe, for San Diego State. It looks awesome, right? It's going to be big. and Yeah. Yeah, there'll be a decent crowd there, but they'll still be dwarfed by just you know how nice things are going to be. Here's another team. Actually, this is a team that I think has a, a shot at going all the way to the MLR final. 
I predicted them going to the final in in a preseason uh, kind of like wish list or just a future prediction. I had New England beating San Diego. Maybe that doesn't look good right now, but I think San Diego at home, um, I think they're going to be a fun team to watch this year. I do like Utah. I like what they're building there. I think they're going to be vastly improved on the five wins that they had last year. I just think right now the San Diego team is going to drop some points on people. I like San Diego to win this one by 12. I think that's a a good call, but for this one, instead of picking a winner, I'm just going to predict that the that the over it'll be over 70 points scored i think maybe over 75 wow that i high? think it'll be a, a high score it'll be something like 45 30 to 45 or one of the teams is going to break 40 and it's it's going to be high scoring you gotta pick a team or you're gonna throw off our, our, our you gotta pick a team here man <laughs> Okay, fine. In that case, I will pick San Diego. All right, all right. Okay, okay. We don't always have to agree. Um, so for these last two... We uh, just happen to align right we now. We align. Okay, I like that. We align. Last game on Saturday night, Seattle Seawolves at home, Starfire Sports Complex, hosting the New York Ironworkers. This is a, a round one rematch of the MLR Shield from the previous season. This one not being played in Harrison, New Jersey. This um, is a, I don't know if this is a tricky one. I think there's been a lot of turnover and change in New York. Um, new head coach, Andy Ellis is gone. Some of their New Zealand players, former All Black players are gone. Seattle, I, I like Seattle a lot. I think they're going to be another quality side. I think that home field advantage up there plays a factor into it. I think Seattle comes out on top on this one. I think it'll be another close one, but I'm going to go Seattle by five. And see, this is one where we disagree. Okay. I think love it. I think New York's going to struggle in the middle of the season because teams will figure them out. They're sort of aggressive and, and not much else. And you can shut down aggressive with a game plan, but I think early in the season... When there's not a lot of tape on them, New York is going to have the advantage that they're going to come out swinging and people aren't going to be prepared for it. So I will take New York in a, a squeaker by three points. All right. I like it. I like that call. I I, I think that's a, it's a quality call. And yeah, we saw, I mean, we saw firsthand. You were there. You witnessed it, how New York, how aggressive they played in that preseason run out against Old Glory DC. So the, the, the final match of round one is going to be a Sunday night. You got the Dallas Jackals at home hosting the Houston Sabercats. This is one that I think I'm really eager to watch because, um, one, Houston, I think, is going to be, uh, again, another quality side this year. We know they've got that South African influence. This is going to be a hard, aggressive team to play and I think they've got some some dynamic individual performers there in the back line I'm going to flip to the other side the Dallas Jackals yes we know they went 0-16 last year um, rough year but it seems like they have brought in seemingly just about any Argentine that can play rugby at a decent level because Dallas has signed quite a bit they've got Mario Ledesma as the influence down there with the Fords coach 
Look, is Dallas, will Dallas win this game? No, I don't think so. I think we'll see a much improved Dallas side this season. I think they'll actually notch a couple of wins for sure and be far more competitive. I just think Houston, they looked really good that first 40 minutes against New England in the real only preseason head out. I think Houston is going to be a really quality side. I think Houston wins this one comfortably, probably by, you know, 15 or 16 which sounds like a blowout, but I think it'll be a more competitive game than we've seen from 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 Dallas in 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 last year. But I think Houston probably wins this one, fifteen, sixteen, maybe more. Yeah, I I agree with that one. Houston, I think against most other teams in the league, I might take Dallas just just because they're going to want to set that tone early, having lost every game last year. Mm-hmm. They're really, really, really going to want to win. But Houston is not a Houston might be one of the best teams in the the league this year so I think it's close I think we'll I think it'll come down to seven points or less or maybe just more it'll be it'll be one of those where right into the final minutes it's pretty uncertain and then Houston just holds it for a, a seven point win I love it I love the fact that we're talking about regular season matchups I love that we're optimistic about how Old Glory's going to play. I think they've got um, a good opportunity here to set the, set the tone from round one by notching a win at home against the Chicago Hounds. So I'm looking forward to watching the matchups Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I did want to close out this one last bit, and I just wanted to congratulate you, AKP, and England for getting past Italy in the Six Nations this past weekend. England looked better. They got their first win under the Scott Borthwick era, but it's crazy to me that Scotland right now is second in the table after two rounds in the Six Nations. I'll let you have the final thought on that. Yeah, Scotland's looking really good right now. Wales might not be good, but it's it's good stuff from Scotland. And yeah, I'm glad that... <laughs> England at least did not lose to Italy. I was very concerned that they were going to, but they're not quite that bad yet. Ireland, of course, looked good against France. The question remains, is Scotland a legitimate contender to win the Six Nations this year? We won't find out this weekend because they're off. They have the week off, and we're talking MLR anyway. So, And with that, for my co-host, Alistair Kirsch-Poole, I'm John Fitzpatrick. Guys, round one of MLR is here. I'm excited to talk to you guys next week. So we can see you win. That's right. We both call it. Let's go, Old Glory DC. Talk to you next week. Bye.